A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going down? Everybody, welcome to a brand new edition of What's Going Down here on uh, you know, itrwrestling.com, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny. I'm joined by Finley Martin and Finn. We did an emergency podcast on Patreon over the weekend, which people have been checking out and enjoying. Who knew more was going to happen since this past Saturday? Uh, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, that things were going to occur. I think I used the phrase, phrase unexploded bombs during that recorded. You know what more? Un- what further unexploded bombs may be unearthed? I mean, we, we, I thought we might have a few days before the unexploded bombs go off, but we had <laughs> we had forty hours and then more went off. So, um, in some ways, when something like this is happening, you, you're better off just getting all the bad news out of the way in one go. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. I mean. We're, We'll go into detail when we. So the Power Slam podcast actually came out a day early this week. It's going to come out tomorrow, Wednesday on Patreon, and then Thursday on the main feed. Just because most of it will be us talking about the Triple H being head of creative, the Vince stuff. So um, there's no, and obviously I go away. So, but I mean, I mean, like you say, we knew more was to come, um, and it has came. The revelations have come out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, is. Uh... You know, the company World Wrestling Entertainment um, revealed yesterday, July 25th, uh, in its fight, put out a statement. This was this this is what the statement read. The company, as in WWE, 
has made a preliminary determination that certain payments that Vince McMahon agreed to make during the period from 2006 through 2022, including amounts paid and payable in the future, and that were not recorded in the WWE consolidated financial statements, should have been recorded as expenses in the quarters in which those agreements were made, as in the unrecorded expenses. Um, as of the date hereof, the company has, has identified unrecorded expenses totaling approximately $14.6 million. All payments underlying the unrecorded expenses were or will be paid by Vince McMahon personally. While the company continues to evaluate the impact on previously reported financial statements, the company has preliminarily, that's the word, preliminarily determined that while the amount of unrecorded expenses was not material in any individual period in which the unrecorded expenses arose, the aggregate amount of unrecorded expenses would be material if recorded entirely in the second quarter of 2022. Accordingly, the company currently anticipates that it will revise its previously issued financial statements to record blah, 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 blah. So basically they've got to go in and, and change things. And, and it's it's a bit of a mess really, isn't it, Kenny? Let's be honest. It is, yeah. And, you know, so that's kind of the scene. And then Triple H was also uh, named the head of creative. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll sort of shelve that big conversation because we can't really do it in five minutes um, no. for tomorrow when we talk yes. on Power Slam. So, that, you know, I think it's important that you read that out there so people have the context of some of the stuff we'll be chatting about today. To so, me, to me, this is what's done him in. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the having to go back and refile these effectively the accounts the filings with the you know with the sec so i mean it's um yeah it's it's pretty serious i would say kenny i mean it, it might not be as serious as it sounds but it it could be very serious it could be very damning for yeah. vince so but we'll, yeah we'll get into the the the, the minutiae of it tomorrow i mean i know we, we touched on this a little bit on patreon um but you know today we're going to go through the kind of weekend in wrestling, Friday Night Smackdown, the big talking points from the ROH pay-per-view, and of course Raw. Um, Raw opened with Stephanie McMahon announcing that Vince had retired from the company, and and then, you know, the crowd are ch chatting thank you. Smack Vince. Smackdown, Kenny, Smackdown from Boston. Smackdown from Boston, yes. So yeah. Smack Smackdown from Boston on Thursday, Friday was when Stephanie came out and announced that Vince had retired. Then the crowd are all chatting thank you, Vince. Um, and I've, I saw some people think very critical of Stephanie you know how could she you know stand by him and all this but I mean Stephanie didn't really to me have a choice here she had to go out for the for the company and make this appearance which I'm sure internally she probably did not want to have to do because she knew how it would look well yeah I mean absolutely I mean the, the alternative was to just pretend that Vince's retirement earlier that evening had not occurred and I think had she done that, people would be like, well, what's she got to hide? Oh, she could have at least mentioned that Vince had retired since it was out there on Twitter and it was a trending topic worldwide. So I think she had to mention it. I don't think she really, I don't think she spent too much time on it. Um, I mean, I'm sure people, some people objected to the thank you Vince chance, but the fans in the uh, TD Garden Boston certainly didn't. They seemed to be having a great time. It, was, it seemed to be heartfelt. I think a lot of fans, certainly fans who attend shows, and a lot of fans generally probably aren't that bothered about all these things that have happened. That might sound like a crass thing to say, but 
look at the response to Vince when he made those appearances after the scandal first broke. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, fact, the fact that people were chatting thank you, Vince, for him is just... But then, but then it's, it's in some ways not surprising because Vince McMahon has built this empire where everybody else has always been the villain, right? Yeah, the, you know, the government or the or Bob Costas or the PTC. WCW or whatever yeah. company he was battling against at the time. So it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it kind of shows that what he tried to build worked because the the... The average attendee in Boston um, was chatting, "Thank you, Vince." You know, I would have felt very uncomfortable in the arena during that because I just wouldn't have. I mean, I wouldn't have participated in that chant. But like you say, I mean, when you're in the building, there's people who have just kind of, you know, they've come for entertainment. Um, yeah, I think that was going to happen. But I mean, Stephanie, Stephanie, did I remember kind of there's a lot down. of there's a lot of casual fans who really don't keep up with these things. They're not yeah. really that interested. They, they pay the money, they go along, they buy the merch, they're there with the friends or family members, and it's a it's a bit of escapism. That's what pro wrestling is to an amazing amount of people, and that's something you should never forget. Obviously, we understand what's going on here and how serious this is, and, yeah, it looks, to us, it looks totally insensitive to what he's alleged to have done. It looks really bad. I get both sides, but I mean, don't forget there's a lot of people out there that go along to WWE shows because it's a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, the thing the thing is with Stephanie is Stephanie was trying to shut the chant down, which was interesting. You know, she was she was letting it happen, but she wasn't like she wasn't for having this go on any longer than it needed to. No, you know, and I mean, it's ironic that you know Vince McMahon's sort of farewell on TV is this two minute thing. And, you know, I saw somebody kind of say, Vince, throughout the years, he's tried to make his legacy be, you know, not wrestling. And now I mean, his, his legacy is going to be, his legacy will be wrestling, but there'll be that asterisk. And this whole situation will be part of it. And that's the consequence of that kind of behaviour. So, Sure, um, of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so I mean, the rest of SmackDown was kind of business as usual. Um, we did, we, I mean... Commentary, I, I, before I'd watched it, I'd heard some people say commentary felt a little bit more relaxed. I mean, it did a little bit, but it didn't, I didn't feel that it was, you know, so noticeably different that it was, you know, shocking. But um, did you notice any difference in the commentary with not having Vince in the rear? Not really. I mean, the whole, everything seemed pretty similar to me. I mean, I think the changes will come a week, uh, sorry, this Monday coming. They're in this, Everything that's been planned for SummerSlam, or pretty much everything that was planned for SummerSlam, I'm sure will take place. And I think the day after, sorry, two days after SummerSlam, the Raw after SummerSlam, if things are going to change, I think that will be the day on when day on which we'll see potentially, and I'm not saying a new direction, but some subtle changes to the overall direction and the way things are done. But to me, it just seemed, as you said, like business as usual. Um, so, I mean, elsewhere on the show, the big story, obviously, that we again, we kind of discussed on Patreon a little bit, was the, the Brock Lesnar thing. Was he going to show up? And he did show up at the end of the show because um, in the the main event was uh, the Street Profits and Madcap Moss against the Usos in theory. And after the babyfaces got the win because of a DQ, um, Brock Lesnar came out and basically, you know, beat the shit out of Austin Theory. Um, I mean, I, to me... I think the Brock Lesnar thing, I said this on Saturday, I understand 
why he walked out. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I understand. But, I mean, the fact that he was back during the show, to me, makes it kind of almost a non-issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a nothing burger. I mean, you know, a little knee-jerk reaction. As I said in the podcast Saturday, Lesnar's all business. It's all about the money to him. And um, I'm sure, you know, maybe he felt blindsided by Vince's retirement, felt like the company should have informed him in advance. And um, I don't know who spoke to him, probably Paul Heyman was involved. Other people, I'm sure, had conversations with him as well. But Lesnar's all business, and he would have immediately recognised how detrimental it would have been to WWE and to his career, or perhaps to his career and WWE, had he not had he withdrawn from SummerSlam. He understands how big this match is and that he needs to be there. So to me, I think he was always going to make an appearance on the show. I'm glad he did. Um, as you said, there was a DQ finish in the Street Profits and Mad Cat Moss versus uh, Uzos and Theory, six-man. Um Theory was DQ'd for clobbering Moss with the money in the bank briefcase, and then Butler's now walked out. He nailed uh, Theory with an F5 and then blasted him with the money in the bank briefcase and then F5'd him, F5'd him again onto the briefcase. So it was um, a show of a show of force, a dominant performance by Lesnar. And um, Theory, you know, the message they communicated was that Theory was no match for Lesnar one-on-one. Yeah, that was the message that was was given to us. And, um, you know, it, it, it made sense what they did. Um, the other big story coming out of SmackDown, I mean, it's, it's not as big as the other stories that we've just talked about and we talked about on Saturday, but um, we did not see Max Dupree. Um, we met his sister, Maxine Dupree, who is now the director of talent of Maximum Male Models with uh, Man- Mansoir and Massey. Massey, Massey, and Mansoir. Mansoir. Yeah, um, Maxine Dupree is the former Sophia Cromwell, who was associated with Robert Stone and Von Wagner in NXT. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, so the story came out, I think it was from PW Insider who said that the reason that uh, the former LA Knight, Max Dupree, uh, is, not, is not on TV anymore is because uh, he was ruffling some feathers, he was sort of clapping back at some of the creative that was given to him. Vince was supposed to be very into the idea. But, I mean, now that Vince is gone, I guess it's possible we could see uh, Max Dupree back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, possibly. I mean, everything... I mean, all bets are off, aren't they? So, I mean, I'm sure many podcasts are being recorded or have been recorded since yesterday on what could happen. I mean, you could go on for hours about what could happen. And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen just yet. Um, But for someone like LA Knight um, or Max Dupree, I think this does bode well and that he will get a shot as a wrestler. Um, It's a shame, really, that he wasn't going along. Max Dupree wasn't going along with the script and with the creative, um, you know, prior to all of this. Because he's been in the business for long enough now that he should know that when you're new to a brand or new to a company, you go along to get along. That's what you've got to do. And certainly in WWE, you don't ruffle feathers in the beginning. You build that trust. You do as you're told. You don't answer back. You can do that six or you know, nine months or a year in once, once you've got a, a track record of success. 
then you can start making suggestions. But at the beginning, if you go in there and you start objecting to certain things or asking for revisions or whatever you were saying or, or doing, um, that is going to reflect very badly on you and will have a detrimental effect on your career. And I cannot believe this guy does not know this by now. You know, that to me is, is really foolish. I don't care what they suggested to him. You go along with it. That's the way you make it in WWE. I mean, like, how can you be in WWE and not assume this is what's going to happen? I mean... I don't know. I have no idea. But at the very least, you do the gimmick for a couple of months and then you start saying, oh, I was, I was wondering, could we try this part of it? Or like... Exactly. I mean, very not too weeks in. Very politely, you make a very gentle suggestion. Um... So elsewhere on uh, SmackDown, we we did see Jeff Jarrett in the referee's garb selling us on his, you know, refereeing skills for SummerSlam. I mean... We did, we did, we did indeed. Um, I mean, at least he showed up. Um, we saw him as well on Raw last night. So... Um, He's doing the rounds. Doing the rounds, that's it. So, I mean, I mean, let's face it, it's a weird time right now, isn't it? You know, the... The Vince retirement that earlier that evening, July 22nd on SmackDown. I mean, I don't know. I was trying to work out, Kenny, whether there was this mood of elation amongst the talent or this mood of dejection, you know, and this fear of the unknown. And I, I actually think it was the former. And I think people yeah. generally were quite pleased and quite excited about what the future might hold. And obviously this was before the appointment of Paul Lebeck is the new head of creative, but I'm sure a lot of people kind of theorised that that's where it was going to go and it wasn't going to be Bruce Pritchard as head of creative forever and it was probably going to be Triple H. Um, but, um, but yeah, so Jeff Jarrett was there and uh, he um, you know exerted his authority as well as should and he did actually even more so on Raw, didn't he, Kenny? He was basically told Street Profits and uh, Jimmy and Jay, you know, no funny business, behave. He was like the teacher in the class, wasn't he? <laughs> it, it, it really tickles me pink that Jeff Jarrett's warm-up for the weekend for his his big match is SummerSlam as a referee gig <laughs> before he fights. Right. And then also, Ric Flair, Ric Flair officially is going to wrestle his last match after Vince McMahon retires. Wild. Yeah, it's, I mean, everything at the moment is odd. I mean, I was I was thinking about this. This is the biggest wrestling story in at least fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So at least fifteen years, and it's. I mean, we we don't really know what's going to happen. Maybe things will calm down now. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it's um, it's it's been really quite an amazing time to be covering pro wrestling. I'm sure for everyone watching it, it's been astonishing these developments. But, um, you know, after that revelation yesterday in the filing um, from WWE, now we know why this has all occurred so swiftly. Yeah, it's, um, it's a crazy time. Listen, before we talk about Raw, I did just want to bring up, um, and I, I know we put, neither of us have put a chance to watch the show, so we're not going to go into detail about it, but ROH's Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view took place this past Saturday. And the preliminary uh, estimates are that it's going to be the fourth biggest ROH number of one of their shows. Um, and the, the big story coming out of it is that Claudio Castagnoli won the ROH world title from Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan Gresham, who has uh, since 
asked for his release from AEW slash ROH, which is to the surprise of no one. After yeah, who could been... blame him after the way that match played out? Um, but I, I just wanted to get your take on, on Claudio winning the title and also, you know, generally, I feel like sometimes I ask you this about Impact and I'm asking you about ROH. What do you think is, is the strategy that they're adopting right now for ROH to kind of have it on AEW TV most weeks and have it be around and have it kind of intermingle. Is that the strategy that's going to give ROH long-term success or not? I have no idea what they're going to do with it. And I still don't really understand why he bothered buying it. I mean, he doesn't have enough time. Tony Khan doesn't have enough time, you know, for, for, for his regulars on Dynamite each week. I mean, Rampage, as we know from the ratings, is the distant number two show. And then the other programs are even less important than Rampage. So to me, it's like, well, how do you fit all these people in on Dynamite? I mean, they didn't really promote Death Before Dishonor. I mean, it wasn't promoted that hard on TV. On Dynamite last week, there's a really brief promo video, wasn't there, for Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham? Like, yes. really brief. So, I mean, I mean, Gresham didn't even, come, didn't even do an angle, did they, on, the, on TV to nope. promote it? So I don't really know what they're going to do with it. I mean, I suppose... Ring of Honor sort of needs a TV program if it's going to be a serious company. I mean, maybe they don't have to do a weekly show. Maybe they could do a bi-weekly show or a monthly TV program. I don't know. But you need to have storylines running, don't you? Independent of AEW. Well, also for, for me, as I'm someone who I've really enjoyed Dynamite over the last couple of years. At times, it has been my favorite show of the week on TV. But I, I think you, even to people who like AEW, like me, I think you can draw a real correlation to Revolution this year and the TV falling off a cliff. And that's when they bought Ring of Honor. That's when we had all the ROH introductions on the show. Yeah. And I think that when you, you know, it they just spread a, themselves too thin, haven't they? Yeah, like because then it's it's like oh, on, and on top of that, then you bring in New Japan, and it's like there's a million things going on. So um, I am happy for Claudio though. I think it's good for you know it's it's good for him. To, I know he's got a history with ROH, so yeah. that's fine. But I mean, look, let's be honest. I know people don't like this comparison. It is essentially that he has won AEW's NXT title. That is what it is. That's yeah, I'd say so, and I'd say that uh, the NXT title is far more prestigious than. The- the Ring of Honor title, which I know has been around longer. It's been around over 20, is it 20, 20? I think it was the summer 2002, I think. Yeah, it was over two. Loki, yeah. Loki was the first champ, wasn't it? I remember we covered it in Power Slam at the time. So it's, yeah, basically 20 years the title's been around. I mean, I watched the match. Um, I mean, Claudio towered over, over Jonathan Gresham, of course. I mean, it was a pretty good match. I mean, Claudio, it's impossible for Claudio to have a bad match. He's so good. Um but it's, it was really quite short. Um, he won with uh, one recall a bomb. It wasn't like the usual, you know, you know, kick out orgy type situation that we expect from AEW or Ring of Honor. So it seemed a very, it was a very convincing, very decisive victory by Claudio over Gresham. Um, Claudio did seem really quite moved by the victory. So I was happy for him as well. But I just felt like the match should have been allocated five or six more minutes. They could have, you know, shaved. They could have taken the time from the FTR versus Briscoe's match, best of three in the main event, which just never ended. Taking some minutes from that, tack them onto Claudio versus Gresham, and I think everyone would have been happier. Also, it was a bit odd that he opened the show, but I guess they thought, well, FTR versus the Briscoes, 
we're going to give that more time. So we're going to make that the main event. So, but to me, yeah, I mean, Claudio Gresham was a bit disrespectful, the amount of minutes it was allocated, Kenny. That's my opinion of the match anyway. And I don't blame Gresham at all. For wanting his release, he's probably seen the writing on the wall. Wasn't he complaining about lack of communication from Tony and others in AEW and just feeling like, you know, he's a second-class citizen, essentially, in Ring of Honor? I think that yeah, was his... but I mean, but, th- but then to that point, I mean, there's no way that Tony can, even if you're, like, the, the best delegator in the world or the, you're the best communicator in the world, there's no way Tony can can cultivate good personal relationships with everybody in AEW, everybody in ROH. He's going to need to hire somebody to do that for him. Or to help with it. And I don't feel like he's done that yet, as far as I'm aware. We've not heard of anybody, but he needs I mean, to have... I mean, it's many months now, isn't it, since they bought Ring of Honor? When was it? Yeah. February? Was it February they bought here? Yeah, late February, because they announced it on the go-home Dynamite for Revolution. So it would have been end of February. So, we're, you know, we're talking five months. And it's like you need somebody as a go-between, as an intermediary between you and the Ring of Honor talent, you know, to keep them, you know, to appease them. To, mm-hmm. to, to let them know that they matter and that, you know, communicate what your plans are for Ring of Honor. After five months, he should really have a plan now for what he's going to do with this company. Because these people are just sitting around like, okay, a lot of them don't really have options elsewhere. They're unlikely to be signed by WWE. You know, so in some ways, they're probably happy that they're still under contract and making money. But at the same time, after five months, if you're working for Ring of Honor, you would like to know what the plans are for this company after all the, you know, upheaval and instability of the last, well, last two plus years due to COVID. So I think, you know, Tony Khan needs to get, you know, needs to pull his finger out and have a conversation with the Ring of Honor people, let him know what's going to happen and, and show them that these plans are going to materialise. I think that would be a respectful way to treat them, Kenny. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think... Because the the issue is you've kind of you've now taken away from core business, you know that's the problem. You've taken away from the AEW core business, and then you've also, um, you know, got ROH people who don't really know what the what the script's going to be. So, and if the if and even if even with Gresham, even if you even if you only wanted to bring Gresham in to drop the belt, and that's it, that's fine. You know, he'll yeah. do it. He's a professional. Sure. So just tell him that's what the plan is. But yeah, let, let him know in advance. And I mean, I believe they did, didn't they do like a heel turn with him like two weeks ago or something? It's like a hurried heel turn from out of nowhere. I think, yeah, I think they did something on Rampage. I mean, the, the ROH world champion and the idea is to show him on AEW in the lead up to his first title defense and he faced Lee Moriarty. I mean, you might as well put him on elevation. I mean, you might as well. Anyway, so, listen, we'll, we'll move on because we've, we've not got a lot of time. We, we want to cover Raw. So let's cover the Raw, the first Raw of the, of the post-Vince era, which was largely the same because, like you mentioned earlier, they're building to SummerSlam this Saturday. So, you know, you're not going to shake the book up too much. But um, they opened the show with Logan Paul and the Miz brawling in the, re- in the ring. Well, that's how we opened the show. We'll come back to that because they do a segment later. But Roman Reigns comes out. Um, with the, the bloodline, he talks about, you know, Madison Square Garden, acknowledge me, Heyman's doing the spiel, his mic cuts out at one point, so he makes a bit of it and says, we have a sound guy that must be from New Jersey. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then he said, oh, I, I said, we need to take your name and you're going to be the next one out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Um, and then Heyman's doing his whole spiel and he's putting him over, putting Reigns over, and then Theory comes out. And Theory, you know, says, I'm going to I'm going to take the title from you. I'm going to cash in. And he says this all while being 
uh, in the aisle. And Roman Reigns says, well, come on then, get in the ring. You've, you made it this far. And then he's saying, you know, he, oh, boys, he's nervous. And then Theory comes in and then Roman Reigns drops the line, your daddy's not here anymore. And the crowd went wild for that line. Yeah. Chatting, daddy's gone. And it was a smart line because like you mentioned about SmackDown, we all know what's happened. And this was kind of the perfect way to reference it in a way that you can make it part of the story, but not be disrespectful to the real life situation, I thought. Sure, that's it. I mean, you've got to acknowledge it because Vince was such a huge part of the show. He was, I mean, on the company for over 40 years. So, I mean, I mean, I thought it was a really good line. I like the way that Paul Heyman sold it, you know, like he's like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. And, uh, you know, Theory, you know, there wasn't really that much bass in his voice here, but I still feel like he, he gave a good account of himself. And the pressure this guy's been under lately, I've said this, I think it was last week or possibly the week before, is just intense. And he, he is doing very well. I've got to say, Theory is doing very well in this role. And so much has been expected of him. Um, I mean, the bloodline, well, the bloodline basically belittled Theory, didn't it? The users did as well. And then Theory nailed, was it, was, did he nail Jay with the case? He nailed one of them with the case. And then Rain said, no, we're going, you know, let's, you know, it's kind of like not taking him seriously. And then we went to break and we came back and then Theory was introduced again. And then that led to a Theory versus Drew McIntyre match. Uh, and then we had all these run-ins from uh, Ridge Holland, Butch, Sheamus, Bobby Lashley. And then that led to a Sheamus and Theory versus Drew McIntyre and Bob Lash Bobby Lashley match. So, you know, Theory was, they were getting the money's worth out of Theory, weren't they, on Raw last night, Kenny? Yeah, it was, it was, he, was, he was all over the shop. And, and even following on from that Jey Uso angle, <clears throat> where Jey Uso sort of patronizingly slaps him in the back and he hits him with a briefcase, after Lashley and Drew beat Theory and Sheamus, um, the Usos came out and double super kicked uh, Theory. And that's then Roman, in the aisle, yeah, that's right. And Roman Reigns puts the briefcase on him and sort of, you know, tells him he should be careful when he, who he cashes in on and what he, what he does. So very good stuff. Um, also, we, you know, we were expecting this Rey Mysterio 20th anniversary. I've got a really nice video package uh, set to Metallica. Uh, the family are with him. And we all I mean, thought this- I'm always worried, Kenny, when Angie and Aaliyah turn up. I, I always, <laughs> I've got to say, I always fear the worst. I know, you can just feel the charisma being sucked out of the room when Angie turns up. Um, so Ray comes out with Dominic and he cuts this very sort of heartfelt promo about how much this all means to him and how, you know, his career. And then he kind of gets to do the whole thing. At the end, Finn Balor and Damian Priest enters with the crowd and leads us to a tag match that's scheduled. But there was no heel turn from Dominic Mysterio. Ray got to have his moment, which I was very surprised at, Finn. Maybe this was one of the changes, <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. I thought when the family were there, I thought this would be just classic Vince. <laughs> Dom, you know, and his 20-year celebration, you know, these heartfelt comments from Ray. And in some ways, even though it kind of sounds callous, it would have been the perfect time to do the turn because there was so much love and so much goodwill towards Ray and the family were there. And I think it actually would have had more of an impact had Dom done the turn on Raw last night, but they didn't. Um, Ray and Dom defeated Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Ray pinned Balor, and I'm sure Balor was honoured to lose to Ray and Ray's uh, prog splash, Eddie Guerrero tribute. So, I mean, it was the right outcome 
in the sense that it was respectful to Ray, but you think, well, long term, maybe this should have been the heel turn and maybe that would have, would have given Dom a better start. So they went backstage and then that led to Rhea Ripley returning and then uh, Priest and Finn Balor beat down Ray. So have they announced the match yet for SummerSlam, Kenny? Yes, they have. So it's going to be a no DQ tag team match with uh, Priest and Balor against Mysterio and Dom. Right, Ray and Dom. Right, okay. So we're going to have the rematch there. Maybe it'll take place at SummerSlam. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to make any more predictions because I've got it, I've got it wrong so many times with the Mysterios. Uh, but yeah, at least he had the moment in MSG. And I think this meant a lot to Ray. I think he was allowed to go out there and thank basically everyone. He th- even thanked Conan, didn't he? Which is very rare to get a Conan mention in WWE TV. But uh, yes. yeah, I mean, Conan was a big part of his career, so he should be mentioned. I'm glad that he yeah. gave him the But show. as you can see, there was no restrictions on who he could say thank you yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is nice. And maybe, I think that he would have been allowed that anyway due to the level of respect for him and his achievements in the company. So I think even if Vince was still there, he would have still been allowed to to mention Conan. I think he would have been anyway. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean I'm excited to see what they do at SummerSlam in the match and you know this beat down and everything it makes sense that they would now have a no DQ match so you know all it's all going in a logical direction to me now the one thing you didn't bring up is that when Angie and Aaliyah were watching on from behind the scenes they were watching the TV correctly straight (laughs) on no side view it's all changing so, uh, no, so just, just that little thing the side views you can't you can't actually see what's on the screen that was like a bins thing wasn't it that never made any sense to me at that one or to anyone else for that matter no now we did later on um the mysterious were having a party and then uh, Rhea ripley returned and she ended up dragging dom um away and a fight broke out and uh damien priest powerbomb power race at a table backstage race family are checking on him so Rhea's back, which is good. Hopefully that means that she's going to be inserted at the women's picture post-SummerSlam. Yeah, hopefully so. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we talked a lot about Bianca versus Becky Lynch on last week's recording. I'm still not quite sure what's going to happen in the, in this match. But yeah, Rhea Ripley, I mean, she wouldn't be participating in physical angles if she wasn't ready to go. It's just that simple. So, I mean, I don't know whether she'll be involved in Lynch versus Belair at SummerSlam, possibly. I mean, if so, that could set up whomever she's going to wrestle next. She would think it would be Belair since that was a plan at Money in the Bank before she was injured. But yeah, good to see her back. Um, and, um, you know, I thought she played an important role in this particular angle that's now leading to this no DQ match. Uh, and hopefully she'll be, you know, reinserted into the title picture in the women's division. We know she's good enough. We know she's over enough. And, you know, that's going to be at least something fairly new. I think we have seen them wrestle before, but not for a long time. No, so it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good to see that. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, we also got a pull apart brawl from Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. There's not really much to say, really. I think what we said last week kind of still stands, but how we feel about, you know, what they're going to do coming out of it. But at least we have hope that there might be, you know, some different stuff coming out of it, given the, the new regime. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you would think that things, I mean, on one hand you think, well, they're gonna, they're not going to want to, they're not going to rock. They don't want to rock the boat and convey the message that things aren't really changing that much. But at the same time, I'm sure Triple H is keenly aware of all these missed opportunities 
um, that have happened again and again over the years or even decades. And, and he'll be wanting to remedy that and getting some people up from NXT who are ready to go um, and just making things happen and getting some fresh faces, certainly in the women's division. We've been talking about this for weeks, if not months, Kenny. Yeah, fingers crossed. We keep wishing for it, but will we get our wish come, come post-SummerSlam, I guess? Yes. Um, so the, with the main event of the show, we've got the Bloodline with Roman included and a six-man tag against Riddle and the Street Profits, a very rare Roman Reigns TV match, and even rarer Raw Roman Reigns TV match. And uh, the heels got the win, as expected. Riddle took the pinfall from a spear from Reigns. Um, I mean, whoever got pinned here, you, were, you could probably, you know argue that it should have been somebody else but um you know it, it was fine i thought the match was competitive enough and um you know roman needed the big win for getting into saturday yeah i mean to me it felt like they were leaving something in reserve which of course they are SummerSlam on saturday um seth rollins came out after the finish this was this was his only appearance on the show uh and he beat down riddle and uh stomped his head on the ring steps so i mean that was the sort of angle you would, that you would expect um, you know, and if Rollins defeats uh, Riddle at SummerSlam, Riddle at least has the excuse, i.e. being speared uh, by Reigns in the six-man match on Raw and then being destroyed by Rollins afterwards. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a perfectly adequate main event. They didn't do too much. Uh, Montez Ford, I think, bled from the nose, I think it was. And um, they were speculating that he might have broken his nose. Hopefully he hasn't. Hopefully he'll be good to go on Saturday at SummerSlam. I'm sure he will be. I mean, that has to be. We've talked about this before. It's got to be the Street Profits night. Uh, They've got to become champs there. And uh, it would be hard for me to believe having, you know, inserted Jeff Jarrett as special referee and given the way that the match at Money in the Bank ended, really, you know, Ford and Dawkins have got to leave Nashville as as double tag champs but uh, yeah i enjoyed the main event i enjoyed the show i thought it passed by really swiftly i mean there was very few sort of slow or um i mean there's a couple of matches like alexa bliss versus dewdrop i don't know where the hell this is going kenny i don't know why this is even continuing nowhere that's where it's going i mean it's come just an absolute waste of everyone's time including alexa bliss and dewdrops but, I mean, mostly it was an interesting show, so we should just mention the impulsive TV with Logan Paul. So he did his inversion of, of Miss TV. And, and Paul was like, I mean, we talked about this last week. He's not a natural baby face, is he, Kenny? He's I mean, that's not... you being polite. That's you being very polite about it. I mean, the thing, the, the good thing now, hopefully, though, is that with Triple H, he's, I feel like Triple, I mean, we've seen Triple H work magic in the past a bit convincing people to do stuff so maybe he can convince logan paul look the best way for you to get cheered by these people is for you to be a heel for a while and then then turn when people are into it yeah turn when people want you to turn you know go with the flow go with the tide you know you're swimming upstream here mate because it's just not working and he's just not a likable person and uh, he called out, Logan Paul called out the maze. Instead, the Maurice came out. We're continuing with the with the tiny balls storyline. Please just make this go away. Um, so Maurice was there and then Miz turned up and uh, misused the line that he had taught Paul everything he knew, but not everything the Miz knew. Can you believe he used that line, Kenny? 
wild. It is it's wild. Old, you... It's an old one. You know, the old ones are the best ones, right? Yeah, an oldie, an oldie bit of goodie. Um, but yeah, Logan Paul and Miz at SummerSlam, and Miz is getting cheered here. It'll be interesting to see if Miz gets cheered in Nashville. I think he might. Possibly. Um, I mean, yeah, Champa turned up. It turned into a fight. Champa turned up, uh, and Champa helped Miz beat down Paul. And Miz laid out Paul with a skull crushing finale, just as he did after their match at WrestleMania, after the tag match against the Mysterios. Yeah, so I mean, it, 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 it makes sense. I mean, ho- yeah, hopefully, it coming out of it will have something good to say about the Logan Paul Miz match. Um, but we'll see. Um, that is all the time we've got for today, though. Um, we will be back tomorrow, as I say, on Patreon Thursday in the main feed. We're going to break down all the stuff about Vince and the the. The thing that the thing that really was his uh, downfall, his downfall, his the last the last straw for Vince, and then Triple H and Creative he held a meeting before Raw as well. We'll talk about that. What he said to talent, um, loads for us to discuss tomorrow. So it's going to be a, a bit of a juicy episode for people to listen to. So, oh, I'd say. Um, uh, <laughs> so the times, um, the times other times are changing or what? I mean, I mean, possibly. I mean, that's the interesting part right now. I think if even even if you've only got a passing interest in WWE right now, you know, maybe this is the time to come back and be a fan again, you know, because things are changing. You never know. I mean, look, if, if there are changes, there's always people who are on the periphery of WWE fandom yeah. and they're ready to come back when it's good. So yes. if it gets better and there's changes that people like, I think people will come back. So um, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the plugs are the magazine, insidethedotesmagazine.com. You can order issue 23, which is out now with John Moxley on the cover. And of course, Patreon is where you can get the best exclusive content from us. And that keeps us being able to do these free podcasts on the main feed. So we appreciate everyone who's pledged. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. There's an, a Vengeance 2002 review up there now that we did last week, which is a lot of fun. And much, much more. So, Finn, I look forward to dissecting this drama with you tomorrow. Indeed. Yes. Yes. So, and we look forward to uh, recording. And, you know, as always, thank you very much for your support and for listening to us waffling on each week about pro wrestling. Indeed. We wouldn't have it any other way. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.